Welcome to Eczema Breakthroughs, brought to you by Global Parents for Eczema Research, or Cheaper. This show features conversations between parents of children with eczema and the world's leading scientists and researchers who study eczema. Global Parents for Eczema Research is an international network of parents that advocates for better treatments and management options for children with eczema. Jeeper is led and comprised of parents of children with eczema and was formed in 2015 to address the critical need for research that answers questions of importance to patients and families. Learn more about Jeeper and subscribe to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Well, thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Eczema Breakthroughs podcast in honor of World Atopic Eczema Day, which is a global campaign to raise awareness about the impact of eczema and the needs of patients and families. Today's format is going to be just a little bit different than usual. We'll be featuring a panel of parents from around the world and discussing the experience of caring for a child with eczema, exploring it from different angles and hopefully shedding light on how eczema can have a profound and pervasive impact on children and families for better and for worse. Many of you already know this, but eczema may be the most misunderstood chronic condition. I think it's widely viewed as just a baby rash and something that disappears with age. Yet we know from our own research and from our own experiences that it can be devastating for children and families. It can cause massive sleep disruption that leads to exhaustion and difficulty functioning during the day, delays in normal child development, and it can have lasting impacts on mental health and chronic disease in other areas. Those impacts persist into adulthood as we're learning. Our own research from Jeeper published last year showed really sky high levels of anxiety, helplessness, isolation, and sadness among caregivers. Um, and so we're going to dig into that a little bit today to try and uh, explain why that's the case. For today's episode, my co-host will be Carrie Kelly, who's worked with Jeeper in various capacities for many years, and who's also the mom of two kids with eczema based in Oklahoma. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you. And we have three guests today um, joining us from around the world in various time zones, And so I'd like to welcome them to the show and also welcome them to say a few words about themselves. So I'll pass the microphone to um, Santana Hernandez to kick us off. So let us know who you are, where you are in the world, and maybe share a little bit about your connection to eczema. Hi, everyone. So like Corey said, my name is Santana Hernandez. I currently live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, but spent the majority of my life living in BC. And I am connected to eczema as a mother of four children who all have various degrees of eczema, um, from very, very severe to very mild. Um, and they all navigate that very different way. Um, and I'm also the wife, a man who has quite severe eczema as well, um, that has lasted into his adulthood. To talking to you guys more. And let's pass it to Christine in Texas. Hi there, this is Christine. I am a mother to two very active boys. We also deal with eczema for both. My oldest is the one with severe eczema, who is well controlled now. And my youngest has been controlled as well too, uh, but he was nowhere near as severe as my first. So that's how I'm connected to the eczema world. You know, I'm, I'm here to help people understand a very misunderstood skin condition that's more than just a rash. And Rachel? 
Hi, my name is Rachel Ogola. I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm happy to join you today. I'm a mom of two children, a boy and a girl. The oldest is a boy. He was born with, um, I'll say, severe eczema. And the, young, the younger one is a girl. She was born with mild eczema. So I'm coming from a, a background of two children, both with eczema. And as a result of my experience with my children's um, condition, I started a platform where um, I would have parents also um, share their experiences. So I founded Eczema Society of Kenya. Other than that, I'm a lawyer by profession and I'm married to a civil engineer. We live in Nairobi. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for sharing, Rachel and Christine and Santana. I'm gonna go ahead and, and pass the mic to Carrie to get us started with uh, our first question. Hi, so um, we wanted to ask, what has been the hardest part of your eczema journey or the toughest moment? And then what has been an unexpected gift or a new perspective that you've gained? I should introduce myself first, I'm sorry. Um, I'm in Oklahoma. I was born and raised here. I'm a wife and a mom to three kids, and two of them have eczema. My oldest had it severely, and my youngest has a, a mild eczema. For me, um, I think the hardest part was just the mental toll and not being able to fix what was wrong in our family. Like I couldn't couldn't fix this hard thing that was going on with my son, and felt like I had tried everything, and I had like five years ago, six years ago. I feel like I honestly gave everything a shot. And so you kind of run out of hope after so many exhausted options. And there was a moment when I was driving in my car. I had been to visit family. He was asleep in the back seat, like in his car seat. He was two years old. And I just vividly remember driving home and feeling all of the sadness. And, and I started asking myself questions like, if his skin isn't functioning, how is he going to survive in this world? If the skin is the largest organ that our bodies have and it's not operating as it's supposed to, it's not keeping the bad stuff out and keeping the good in, then how does a then how does a body survive, right? So it wasn't really like how do we live, what's our quality of life going to look like? It was how does my little boy survive this? Like what happens if I lose him? And I know part of that was just like depression speaking to me, but um, that's one of the toughest moments that stands out to me looking back. Um, so the hardest part, you know, is more like an umbrella over our, over our season of struggle, like not being able to fix it. But the toughest moment, like, like you can, I know you moms um, can go back to those places with me too. So, and then an unexpected gift would be the friendships I've made. Um, through this eczema community, they're a special kind of bonding. And I would have never expected that six years ago. I would have never expected to be um, doing this kind of work. And then the, the bond that I feel to my son, I feel is, um, it's just a special, a special level. That's, that's how I feel um, about the hardest parts of eczema and the unexpected gifts. And I wanted to ask Christine to go next. If I can make it through this without crying. <laughs> I already started. I'm sorry. Um, I would have to say. I know. I know. Hard. We jump right into it. <laughs> Looking back and just kind of 
thinking on when the toughest moment was, I couldn't really pinpoint because there were, there were a few. But I would have to say the one that kind of drove it home to me, I had visualized when Drew was hospitalized at six months, what his funeral would look like. I just remember seeing this poor baby of mine and having tried, you know, just about everything that I could, you know, that were safe, that was effective, supposedly, or whatever was recommended to us. Um, and everything had failed when he was hospitalized. I, I felt a lot of immense guilt from that because I felt like I, I led him to the hospital. I, let, I landed him in the hospital. So that was probably the hardest and, and, and toughest part of our journey, um, I would say, was that was rock bottom. He was not eating well. Um, I wasn't eating well because I was afraid to, but the one thing that I felt right was to continue nursing him. And so that's why I made the choice to eliminate everything from my diet. And he had regressed in, in weight. We were so afraid of what the end result of that could be. So it was hard not to visualize something so traumatic because it was very traumatic for us. I think what was the most unexpected gift or the, the perspective that we gained out of it was that we are I am his strongest advocate. I didn't give up after he was hospitalized. I kept searching for answers because I questioned myself every day. Is this our life? Is this what it's supposed to be like? Is this what his life is supposed to be like? And I just wasn't willing to give that up. Thankfully, I didn't give up. I feel like if, if I did, I would have been ultimately failing him. And I would have not connected with so many people in this eczema community. We're a bunch of beautiful people. We're a hot mess, but we we love very fiercely and we care about each other fiercely. So that's that's part of um, the new perspective that I've learned from everything. I agree. You are you are his best and strongest advocate and I'm sending you hugs right now. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. Um, Santana. Would you like to share uh, a tough moment and a new perspective? Absolutely. Um, and and I think I have two small stories, and I'm just going to share these two small stories succinctly just because they show kind of two ends of a spectrum. As moms, like we we feel like we have this most important job of the world, and, and that job is to make sure that these tiny humans are safe and happy and healthy. And when you're an eczema parent and you're watching your children suffer, you feel like you're failing at that, at that one most important job that you have in the world. And when I first discovered that my daughter had eczema, she had had an allergic reaction. We'd gone to the ER because of the allergic reaction and they were focusing on her dry skin and her pussy cheeks. And I thought, and I thought that the dry skin was kind of normal with babies because she was so she was so new and she was so tiny. And that's when I learned what this eczema was. And and then I found out that it was tied to my diet. And I remember feeling so much guilt and shame that I was so naive that I didn't realize I was poisoning my baby. And like that was all I could think about in the moment that I was doing this to her. And how how could I be hurting my baby? And and just feeling so alone. And I was the first out of all my friends to have kids. So I didn't have anybody to talk to at the time. 
social media w- was brand new, like Facebook just started existing. Um, so I like we didn't have this kind of global community that we have now. So that guilt was just was just awful to live with feeling like I, I was doing it to her and how how could I have not realized she needed my help sooner. My oldest now is almost 13 and I remember in grade five her coming home from school crying because she was on the playground and she was having a flare up so um, her arms were were really patchy and red and pussy and it, that comes in the spring with her. Um, that's one of her triggers is the seasons changing and she came home from school crying because everybody was making fun of her and didn't want to play tag with her because she was diseased and and that they might get her disease if if they let her be a part of the game. And that was a really hard moment as a parent because it's like I felt like I spent over a decade trying trying to help you through this and we know our triggers better and we control it at times better. But like I, I still felt again like I was feeling her in this helpless feeling like how do, how do I protect her from from these things in the world that I have no control over. And so that was kind of the other end of the spectrum. But the unexpected gift was because of all the time I was spending with medical professionals, my daughter's pediatrician actually encouraged me to return to school, which is something I thought was absolutely crazy at the moment because I had four kids with eczema and I was in his office all the time. But he actually made a bet with me that if I didn't fail my upgrading courses, I had to apply to a pre-med program and, and see if I could get into med school. Um, and he obviously saw something that I didn't in that moment because now I'm currently in my first year of medical school, which is such a blessing because I was told my entire life I couldn't go to post-secondary as an Indigenous woman. And so to have somebody actually believe in me and believe in me to do the profession that they did was was a gift that I'm so grateful for and has really actually changed my family's entire lives. Yeah, that's amazing. And <laughs> that, is a, that is such a gift for somebody to speak that into your life and for you to accept that and to follow through. And now you're living that all from this eczema circle. And it sounds like you've really, you've seen all levels and with your husband too, you've seen, you've been able to like hear his adult perspective I feel like that's helpful um, for caregivers. We don't always know what our kids are going through until we can kind of hear it explained by someone who's older and can um, put words to the sensations they feel. Thank you for sharing, Santana. Rachel, would you like to share with us some of the hardest parts you've experienced and some unexpected gifts or a new perspective? Yes, okay, thank you. I'll say as a first time mom, when I had my first child, then um, the child had eczema. We had no, no idea of what eczema was. So there was there was a rumor that I probably caught something from the hospital or from the cesarean section. That's why the, the baby was infected with eczema. And then there was a belief that I had probably been looked at badly um, when I was pregnant. So that's why the baby had eczema. You know, I had, there was a lot of stigma and beliefs to deal with, first of all, and you're dealing with a child who is, you, know, you have no idea what to do. You know, it's overwhelming because you're moving from one dermatologist to another. You're moving from one, there, there's, there's so many perspectives. Everybody has an opinion, you know. So it was really overwhelming for me, I remember. And then um, my, my, my baby, the, the first baby with Don was born with, with the older one, the one was born with severe eczema. I remember he had delayed milestones. I remember he walked when he was almost, just almost three years, is 
then he started working. So um, then after that, I remember even when he was growing up, like going to school, everybody has had lost their teeth. Only him. He lost his teeth just the other day, imagine when he was nine. So he's the only one. He was the only one with like a gap at a later stage, you know, everyone else had lost their teeth and forgotten about it. He almost lost his teeth at the same time with his sister, the younger sister. So um, he has, he's had delayed milestones. And then um, even uh, in class, he writes a little bit uh, slower than the rest. So he had to take extra classes to, to learn how to write a bit faster. Part of the gifts, the unexpected gifts that I'll, I'll take home is the fact that he's a champion at school, he's a table tennis champion. We, our house is full of medals, like his bedroom has so many medals and, uh, and trophies for table tennis. He's a table tennis champion. Um, and also both of them are good swimmers. They swim at school. Uh, we let them swim. They, they, have, they are also very friendly, especially the boy, he's very friendly. He, he, there's a way he understands people and he doesn't like it when children are bullying each other. Those are some of the things I would say, the gifts we've taken from that. I would say that because I think um, he pushes himself more in the area of, uh, especially in the area of sports. And then I think I forgot to say that one of the major challenges again that we were facing, where well, I've faced as a parent, right now, obviously, I understand the condition better, my experiences with other people also because of the platform I have. So I, I understand how to talk to people as well. I know how to answer to people, to respond to questions and opinions. There was concern that, hey, have you tested for HIV? You need to test for HIV, maybe. Maybe uh, even if you don't have it, maybe your child was infected probably by the nanny or something like that, you know? And that came out a lot, so many times, so many times. And still I started doubting myself, you know? Like, is it possible that this child could have been infected by HIV? And I don't know, with HIV and I don't know. You know, anyway, those are some of the challenges I, we have faced. I think uh, with time, I've learned to be more understanding. I have learned to, to, to know how to weigh people's opinion and how to, you know, you know what to take in and what to save, you know. And I also know how, I've also learned how to interact with people when it comes to the issue of eczema. I think that's something we share as um, eczema caregivers is that we go through so, so many experiments that we are trying to trust our mom guts, like they say to do, and we just kind of lose our minds <laughs> in the middle of trying to trust ourselves. And I think eventually, like maybe Santana would agree, like you, you find your way and then you realize the advocate that you are. Thank you, Rachel. I'm, I'm really pleased to hear about all of their, their tennis and swimming and, and his empathy with his friends. That's, that's really special. Hey, Carrie, I just wanted to call out a theme that I heard everybody touch on, which is that as moms, especially as parents, we feel this tremendous sense of guilt around a child's eczema. And I think in different ways, we've all kind of expressed it, but it's this guilt that you can't fix it. You know, that's our job, especially with a baby is to attend to them and, you know, stop suffering. And, and with eczema, a lot of times you can feel like you can't, and it's this horrible feeling of failure and guilt. And then the second way that guilt comes up sometimes is you feel like you may have unwittingly contributed to the eczema, either through your genes, which you have no control over, 
or because you ate something, you know, that you didn't know your child was allergic to, or, you know, you did any number of things that, that caused it. And it's compounded by the confusing messages that we get about how to manage eczema that are, you know, oftentimes from strangers, they're uh, conflicting. So people will tell you, you need to bathe your child more. And the next, you know, the next healthcare professional will tell you not to bathe your child. So it's easy to feel like you're muddling through, not exactly sure what you're doing. And also I think what we've all expressed is this, this sense of guilt around that. And, and in some sense, um, failing as a parent in your most fundamental duty. So I say that as someone who's felt those things too, um, but I wanted to call that out. So if other people have felt that way, know that you're, you're not alone. <laughs> nope. I think it's, it's a very distinct common thread among us mamas for sure. And I'm sure the dads feel the same. But the next question is um, to ask you guys, what is one thing that you wish people knew about childhood eczema? And I'll, I'll go first. Eczema's seen as a common condition here in the U.S. It's one in five children have eczema. Um, so I think that kind of adds to your neighbor or the person in the grocery store trying to advise you on which eczema cream to buy or what diet to use or, or whatever. And I just feel like moderate to severe eczema is it's its own ball game, right? So yes, eczema is common. And yes, this product may work for, for the most, like maybe a lot of people, but when you come to the moderate to severe level, it's all these things that work for so many other people and then they don't work for you. Like that's what's hard. And that's what I wish people understood. So those people that we run into, they're well-meaning, they have good intentions and it just, it hurts as a parent when you are at a level that, you know, you're seeing a pediatrician, a dermatologist, an allergist, a functional medicine doctor, a chiropractor, you're doing all the things you can possibly juggle. And you're just not in that that same boat of of common eczema. So I think that's what I would communicate to people. Rachel, can we can we skip to you? Would you like to share one thing that you would you would like for people to know about childhood eczema? Yeah, thank you. I think the belief that uh, eczema your a child grows outgrows eczema by the age of 5, then you wait for 5 you wait until the child is 5, no change. You're told again, seven years, they will outgrow, no change. So I think um, the one thing I want people to know is that a child may not necessarily outgrow the eczema. So you just learn, you just need to learn how to manage it, whether it goes, whether it stays in, whether it stays with us forever, whether at some point they will outgrow, it's fine. I think um, you need to have a mind where you have accepted the how to manage it and live with it. That's the one thing I think I really want parents to understand because there's a lot of anxiety when you, you know, you look up to your child turning five and then they turn five, there's no change. You look, you, you, you wait until seven years, there's no change. 10 years again, there's no change, you know? So there's that level of anxiety that comes with it. And then also, I think I, I want people to understand that what works for me does not necessarily work for you. So if my child is reacting with certain medication, if certain medication and creams are working for your ch child, they may not necessarily work for mine. 
it's just good to understand that our bodies react differently and our allergens are different. Our response, the response of the children uh, is very different. So in terms of even diet, the diet that works for me, the plan I have, the plan that works for me in terms of diet, in terms of cream, in terms of medication, may not necessarily be the same as yours. So every it's up to everybody to sit down and understand what, you know, the kind of eczema they're going through. So don't really focus on to what another person is using to manage their eczema. Just try as much as possible to understand your child as a parent. Try as much as possible to, to go through their, their journey individually. Right. That's what makes eczema so complicated. <laughs> oh, there's so many moving parts. So thank you, Rachel. And and so true that um, we as parents put a lot of stock into what the doctors say when they say, yeah, they'll outgrow it when they're around age two and then two comes. And then, like you said, it's maybe it's six and then maybe it's puberty. And we hold on to that because we pretty much put a clock on countdown when they say that, right? Um, so anyway, I think a lot of parents are gonna uh, feel you on that, Rachel. Um, Santana, can you tell me something you wish people knew about childhood eczema? Um, I definitely agree with all the things that Rachel said and um, those experiences are super overwhelming as a parent. Um, and I think it's important to know that not only will what doesn't work for another kid, but what doesn't work for another kid in your own family might not necessarily work with four kids with varying levels of eczema. My care for each one of them is very different. And, it, and that's even different from my husband who has that experience and he can empathize and understand what they're going through. But even the treatments that he use doesn't necessarily work for our kids and what works for our oldest doesn't work for our youngest. And I guess just really knowing that you're not alone because like in those hours where you're sitting there and you're listening to your kid scratch their ankles or their wrists open in their sleep and they're crying in their sleep and it's the middle of the night, like chances are there is another one of a, a eczema caregiver somewhere in the world who is experiencing that exact same thing in that moment. And you are definitely not alone and you are not failing your kid. And you just need to, to keep figuring out what the best management is for them and, and their experience. And, and I really truly hope that one day we don't need groups like, um, like ours because we've actually found a way to appropriately treat this in a way that, that helps all little kids and, and all adults who are suffering from this. Yeah, I think that's that's the dream. Like, let's just not have families experience this to begin with. Um, Christine, what yes. is something you would like for people to know about childhood eczema? For me, I think I wish people understood that their their well-intended advice and recommendations of lotions and treatments and therapies that worked for their mild eczema would have never touched the surface for my severe child. And it can come across very insensitive to someone who is going through the, the, the darkest of days with eczema. Don't, don't be so quick to judge that I'm not helping my child. When he was at his worst, I had so many people approach me at the grocery store and I would go at the late hours of the night and just try to go to kind of have a little bit of normalcy, but not be in a, missed up a bunch of people for judgment sake. And we mm -hmm. got so many people come. Oh, did you try yoga? Are you doing anything? Oh my gosh. I've never wanted to throat punch people more, but it, at that time I just was not in the right 
mind frame to even say anything. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm trying everything. And you just kind of smile and nod. I wish we could advise those around us on how to approach us, but I don't know that I have the answer for that. But I think that you, you said it well when you said you feel like maybe they think that you're not doing anything when really you're doing everything possible. Right. Doctors as well too. Doctors are like, are you being compliant? That hits a nerve with me every time I hear that because we were so compliant. I was on the ball and we did everything that we could and to the direction, to the T of what the the directions instructions were. But even then to be questioned if we were doing what we could have or what we should have been doing makes you question even more and adds to that guilt that you're already feeling as a parent. Yeah, so, we're, we're already in a very sensitive state. So absolutely. to be taught to like we aren't giving it our best, <laughs> it's just, uh, it just, it just hurts. Uh, well, that, that concludes our parent panel. Corey, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I just wanted to thank everybody from joining from around the world. And I hope that um, (laughs) listeners who are patients and parents, you know, heard some stories that they can relate to and that you don't feel alone in your struggle and your journey, um, that we're here. We understand you and love to connect through Global Parents for Eczema Research if you are interested. And our listeners who aren't parents or patients, I hope that you learn something new about how eczema impacts people's lives and are and are able to see the ways that families cope with it and that children find resilience as well. So I, I hope those themes came across and look forward to hearing you all on our next podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast. To learn more and join Global Parents for Eczema Research or to subscribe to this podcast, please visit us at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast.